If you're happy with the same old ways of dating, if you enjoy sucking at communication, and you have no desire to improve your romantic life, then our podcast might not be for you. But you want some out-of-the-box ideas to deepen your current relationships, broaden your sexual horizons, develop a better understanding of yourself, or learn more about non-monogamy, then you've come to the right place. I'm Jace. I'm Emily. And I'm Dedeker. And this is the Multi-Amory Podcast. On this episode of the Multi-Amory Podcast, we are talking about meeting your metamors. On this episode, we're going to talk about the who, what, why, when, where, and how of meeting your partner's partners. And with that, I am Jace. I'm Emily. I am Dedeker. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, I'm feeling very over-articulate-y today. About. So. Yeah, you're, you're very on top of it today. Mm, yes. Okay, dudes. Metamors and dudettes. Tell me about him. Yeah. Well, the first one we're going to start with is who are your metamors? Uh, you know what? What does that mean? Your metamors are your partner's partners. So someone who is dating or married to or you know whatever, someone that You're you are in dating. a relationship with. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So for okay, instance, great. covered right Done. now. <laughs> yeah. So for instance, uh, Jace is with Brooke. So Brooke counts as my metamor. Brooke and I are metamors to each other. Right. At one point in time when Jason and Emily were dating and Jace was also dating me, Emily and I were metamors to each other. Uh, pretty easy concept to understand. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing is that like metamors, not only is it a new word that most people don't really know, but right. we do not have a cultural framework for what, a what is that relationship is? supposed to look like? Yeah, like mm-hmm. how do I interact mm-hmm. with the person, the other person that my partner is dating? Because you know, sure. obviously, we're under- we're operating mostly under this assumption that all relationships are monogamous, and therefore you shouldn't have any kind of relationship or questions about any kind of relationship with someone that your partner is also dating. Um, right, like that couldn't exist. Yeah, <laughs> basically, <laughs> it wouldn't yeah. even be an issue in monogamy. Right. Yeah. So that's. That's really what this episode is about then, is trying to figure out what should that relationship look like uh, and talking about some things that we've found are the, the pros and cons of, you know, of different ways of managing that relationship and all that. So let's go on to the next question. So that was who, and this is why. They are also your Eskimo brothers and sisters. I think yes. they're not technically your metamors, though, unless you're both dating the same person at the same time. So, like, for example, True. Eric okay. dated Dedeker two years before I met her. He's not my metamor. But he's your Eskimo no. brother. But we are Eskimo brothers. Yes, okay. <laughs> yes. But, but isn't, like, Eskimo <laughs> brothers and Eskimo sisters defined just by you've banged the same person? Yeah, that's I guess all you're means. right. Okay. It's also probably racist to say, so... Oh, sorry, you're right. You're right. <laughs> no, you're right. You're it's right. It's just a... F- yes. Okay. But it is a, okay. a commonly used phrase on, on comedy TV shows and things like that. There you go. Yeah. So, anyway... Uh, and it's just fun to be like, hey, we're Eskimo brothers. Anyway. We're going to alienate our entire Inuit audience I know. Uh, of shit. listeners, by Sorry. the way. We're gonna have Sorry to, to anyone yeah. who is an Inuit. Yes. Okay. We will have an apology episode in the future, so stay tuned for, for that. everyone that we have ever alienated. Yes. <laughs> uh, right. Okay. So, so let's get back to the question, though. Why? Why? 
I'm going to aspirate. So all are you asking why, why why have metamors or no? Why meet, why them? meet them? What or why have any kind of relationship with them? Because some people would go, well, whatever. Like they're we're dating the same person, but I don't have anything to do with them. I'm going to keep these separate. We shouldn't have to have anything to do with each other. There's, there's a lot of different arguments I've heard from people about that. Uh, yeah, but some so, people feel like it's just like kind of awkward because of that because we don't have a social framework for how do we handle this. So some right, it's not something like, we're used I to. I have no idea how to even handle this relationship. So why bother? Mm-hmm. As long as you're not bothering me and I'm not bothering you, you know, let's just leave it at that. Right. Well, I know I tend to sometimes see, or at least I would see my metamors. And it, they would be out there in the distance, and I would be like, oh my god, that person must be so much hotter than me, and so much better at video games than me. And so <laughs> they're probably just like, I don't know, it's super scary. And so, I don't know, meeting your metamor actually puts that into perspective a little bit. You can see them as a real person. You can say like, hey, I acknowledge you as a human, and you acknowledge me, and you can be all hippie and shit. Right, them. and that is kind of our first reason that we put on this list here is just that is they become real to, to you, make them into a real human in and your mind, make them into a real boy. <laughs> yes. Yeah, they're a real boy. They're Pinocchio, and vice versa. To know that to them, you are also a real person, uh, you know, and hopefully that includes you know, hopefully you're all decent people, but you're also a real person with real feelings and someone who you know should be cared for at least in sort of basic respect, right? Not necessarily like they're going to go out of their way to help you out necessarily maybe they will yeah but but to at least kind of have that general like human decency and just care that we have for other humans for sure yeah i've always felt that you know you mentioned the humanity part of it like for me i've always felt like it is a big humanizing process to actually meet your metamors or to establish some kind of connection with your metamors because it is a big difference if one of my partners is like hey, I think I'm going to go on a date this weekend with so-and-so who's a human being versus I'm going to go on a date this weekend with so-and-so who's an abstract concept that is maybe a tiny bit threatening. Um, right. You know, like, I Not can that they have, would say those I things. I hope that but, they would say well, it exactly yes. like that. <laughs> that's how you hear it I in mean, your mind. Yeah. That's how you hear it in your mind. And, I mean, I know that I can have compassion and understanding and maybe empathy for a human being mm-hmm. and generosity as well. But I don't have those things for an abstract concept. Sure. Right. It's, you know? it's a little harder to have that. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, this this can be connected to so many other things. This can be connected even to just like, you know, broader topics like racism. You know, when you don't see sure. someone as a human being, mm. when you see them just as this abstract concept or this abstract image, it's a lot easier to treat them like dirt because they're not a human being to you because they don't seem to have like flesh and blood and feelings and families and desires you know it's a lot harder to write somebody off when you actually see them as a human being Mm. and so for the interest of making your relationships more harmonious making your whole poly network more harmonious Mm -hmm. it does really help to meet your metamors for sure yeah and well we're going to get into this a little bit more later too but meeting doesn't necessarily have to mean meeting them in person um Mm -hmm. it, it could but it doesn't necessarily have to mean that because, uh, you know, maybe like, for example, Dedeker's relationships while she's been traveling. It's not practical for me to meet those people. But we're going to get into yeah. that a little bit more later when we talk about how to meet them. 
I've also found in my personal experience, you know, after I've met my metamore, it just kind of makes the flow of conversation with my partner a lot easier. It's kind of like there's like another point in common that I have with my partner. Um, yeah, you were mentioning that earlier when we were talking about this. Yeah, you know, like, it'll be things like maybe like Molly and I will be talking about something and I'll be like, oh man, did you share that with your other partner? I haven't, mm. sorry, I haven't gotten permission to use her name. Um, sure. You know, because like, oh, she she actually really into that, you know, so it's just kind of just mm. another connecting point, mm-hmm. um, you know, when you actually have this person in common and again, they're not just like some kind of weird floating thing. <laughs> I'm sure. Maybe. Yeah, definitely. And it also helps to create this sense that we've talked about in the past about being on the same team. Yeah. You know, is that I can feel more like all in this together. Me and this other person have something in common because we both really care about the same person. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. we're on a team in that way. And that if we have an open channel of communication, it means, say, you know, that partner's birthday is coming up or some big event is coming up. We could actually reach out to each other to be like, hey, what do you think about? going in together on getting this present or like, mm. would you like to help mm. me plan their birthday party? Like, I know that would mean a lot to them or, you know, or whatever it is. Um, so like, that is a really cool channel to have. Or like for me and Johnny, who are metamors, yeah, that we, uh, you know, are, are maybe on the extreme of being fairly socially involved with each other. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. But that we had an event last weekend where he and I worked together to plan the playlist and Brooke was working on planning like the activities and the decorations for the for the party. So like the fact that we got to collaborate in that way, even not just about the relationship, but that say if there's social things you're both involved with, you feel like you're all on the same team, which is that mm-hmm. is a really nice feeling to have. Like, you can even, even become yeah. friends with this person eventually. Like that does happen at absolutely. times. Like obviously, I mean, in the you know instance of the three of us, obviously, like mm-hmm. yeah, we're incredibly close now. And initially, mm-hmm. we were truly just like abstract concepts in the, each other's yeah. minds, <laughs> right? But then it yeah, it yeah, turned definitely. into uh, not only eventual partners and eventual mm-hmm. you know really close friends, but business partners, etc. So sure. yeah, lots of great things can come from it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So so now let's go on to the next question, which is, so we kind of have a sense of why you'd want to meet these people. But then the question is, when? What's the right time to meet them? Like, do you meet them on like- the first date? Like, some people do that. <laughs> like, you're going to go on a date, they're going to come meet me first, and then you can go on your date. Wow. The people that live together and are hierarchical tend that, to do yeah. stuff like that. Hmm. Um, you know, other people might be like, no, I'm not going to meet any of your partners until you've been dating them for two, three months, because I don't want to get invested mm-hmm. in someone that, that isn't going to last. Or like, whatever. Yeah. There's a whole spectrum here. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I know there's... Uh, if we can break it up into the broad camps of mm-hmm. meeting earlier versus meeting later. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I know that something that, that you guys have talked about is like when there's a, somebody new or like a potential new partner coming into your life that as soon as possible, you try to invite them to some kind of group event or maybe mm-hmm. some kind of party where other partners are going to be there. And that's kind of a little bit more of the sparrow method, a little bit more of like, well, let's see if you can handle, you know, meeting <laughs> partners right away. <laughs> yeah, right. And like, I mean, I think I think that can be both good and bad. I think good because like I do think that it is nice to just kind of get those meetings out of the way earlier rather sure. than later. Mm-hmm. Um, bad because some people I think think that's like a little bit harsh and maybe a little bit too sparrow method um, of just tossing somebody straight into the deep end. Huh. Right. I, I don't know. I think that also really depends on sort of how how you are in the interaction with them because 
I would say on the one hand, you know, pretty early on coming to something social and meeting a partner to me, I think would actually be a much easier way mm-hmm. than being like, hey, I want you to meet my partner that three of us are going to sit down to dinner. Right. Sure. Yeah. I mean, well, we'll, we'll talk about different nice. scenarios yeah. later right. on in the episode. Um, yeah. No, I get that. I do think for like an early meeting, especially if it's a, like a totally brand new relationship, mm-hmm. it's probably better to do like less intense right. pressure, you know, You're something right. where they don't feel trapped and like have to interact with anybody like mm-hmm. that. But um, we will get to that later. You're right. I'm getting ahead yeah, of myself yeah. here. Um, but that's also that's not always necessarily uh, practical. You know, I know you guys like you guys had parties at your house all the time. So sure. there were like many opportunities to do things like that. But not everybody's like that, you know. Mm-hmm. Obviously, in my situation, you know, when I'm traveling, like, I can't necessarily, like, just toss somebody into a party with all my friends and partners and <laughs> right. tell them to have at it. And <laughs> right. so, of course, there is the other the other consideration of, like, well, if you're meeting a metamor later on. Yeah. And generally, I mean, I know that for myself, I kind of try to aim for, like, if I talk to my partner and I've determined, like, okay, like, this person, they've been dating for a few months now, it's going well, I can see that my partner wants to spend a lot of time with this person or that, that basically that this new partner is probably going to stick around, mm-hmm. you know, it's past the first couple dates, maybe developing more into a relationship that I feel like that's the ideal time of like, okay, time for us to meet. Yeah. I think that like going too long without meeting can be a really not good thing. Um, like it can put too much pressure on it. It can make it feel it like put a lot it's of gotta pressure be this on big it. thing. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, it's case-by-case case basis. Like, you guys who are listening, you'll figure out what's kind of the right timing for introducing your metamors. But generally, I tell people, like, on the first date might be a little too soon. <laughs> um, <laughs> You're going six, on a date with m- me and my husband yeah, or, yeah. and my yeah, boyfriend. Six months to a year later might be a little bit too late. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But you'll just kind of have to feel that out for yourselves. Mm. Yeah. And I think it also can depend on, you know, maybe your partner's only gone on three dates, but it's definitely seems to be going well, you know, going really well yeah. and definitely developing into something more than it's like, cool, I'd like to meet this person. Sure. Whereas, you know, maybe they've been dating for a couple months, but it's kind of more casual. Like maybe then you'd want to meet them, but it's it might not be as soon in that case where it's like, well, we're kind of hanging out. We're, we're friends. It's nice, but not something as serious. But again, that's kind of up to how you feel about it, like how much you think that meeting them might help you with the things we talked about in the why section. Well, and are we talking about this like from a hierarchical standpoint? Because no, definitely for, not. Well, for example, would you necessarily like have everyone that you're dating meet a new person? Like, like would you have someone that you're dating who maybe you don't see as often or who you only see like once a month? Would you have that person meet a new sure, potential yeah. partner or would it only be like, the people with whom you spend a significant amount of time. I guess I would say for me, it's kind of like how we're talking about. You sort of try to evaluate how serious a relationship it seems like your partner has with sure. this other person before being like, hey, I'd like to meet them. Yeah. Um, I would say the same is true the other way mm-hmm. of like, if I have like, it's sort of a uh, like, have you passed this tipping point of seriousness of those relationships? Sure. So if I have a more casual partner... And a partner of mine, or I'm sorry, and I have another more casual partner, like, I might not be super pressed to have them meet each other. Yeah. But I might want them to meet multiple of the more serious partners that I have. It, you know, just kind of depends mm-hmm. on that time. It also changes over time, as we've talked about, like, relationships 
ebb and flow and come and go, and it might become more important, or it might just be more convenient for some people to meet than others. Mm. I think that's why mm-hmm. the party aspect is a good good way to go, because then all of them could potentially well, right. meet at once. Yeah. yeah. But the other thing that that we want to be clear on here is that what we've been talking about so far is more from the point of view of you saying, I would like to meet hmm. my metamor. Rather than mm-hmm. you saying, hey, two people I'm dating meet each other. Yeah. And we're going to get to that a little bit later as well. Cool. Uh, but I just do want to clarify, there is a bit of a difference there, yeah. too. Of There's This is more ways. about when should you meet your metamor? When might it be good for you to meet your metamor? Rather than to try to get other people to meet. Yeah. Okay. You've worked hard for what you have. Your money, your assets, your 401k, and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com aware. Terms apply. For a long time now, we've been fans of AdamandEve.com for getting sex toys or lingerie or accessories, things like that. It's just a fantastic resource with a huge selection. And now, not only do we have a fantastic offer, but we also have a promo code that will work on AdamMail.com and Eve'sToys.com, which are their sites specifically for LGBTQ audiences. And our code is fantastic. It's 50% off of almost any item in the store and free discreet shipping when you use our code MULTI. Yes, we love AdamandEve.com and have for years. They are our oldest and longest sponsor, and they just keep on giving great gifts to us and to our listeners. You can bring more pleasure and satisfaction into your bedroom by going to AdamandEve.com, AdamMail.com, or Eve'sToys.com and select any one item. It can be, you know, an adventurous new toy or anything you desire, something fun, something sexy, whatever sounds good. So just enter offer code MULTI at checkout and you'll get 50% off almost any item plus free shipping. That's MULTI, M-U-L-T-I at adamandeve.com, adammail.com or evestoys.com. This is an exclusive offer that is specific to this podcast and it's better than any offer that is currently available on their site. So again, use code MULTI to get you not just the 50% discount, but also the 100% free shipping code M-U-L-T-I. Okay, so let's to hop right back into these questions about meeting your metamors. Where should you meet your metamors? We've talked about this a little bit, you know, mm-hmm. like maybe it's at a party um, or maybe it's one on one. But I mean, what do you guys think? What are I mean, like, do you even have to meet them in like person, like actual face to face? Like, what do you think? Well, obviously, you don't have to considering Dedeker, you were out of the country. And if you were to yes. be meeting mm-hmm. one of Jace's or one of your metamors through Jace, then you'd have to do it maybe via Skype or even Facebook Messenger or something along those lines. Well, and this is a conversation that, that Dedeker and I were having mm-hmm. earlier, too, because when I start dating someone and it starts becoming a little bit more of a serious relationship, Dedeker will tend to have a Skype session with them. Um, like they'll, they'll do date. a little one-on-one Skype date to just like get to, to know it. each other. Yeah. 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 Whereas for me, with... Dedeker's partners, um, uh, you know, will become Facebook friends Mm -hmm. and maybe like send each other the occasional like happy birthday post or message 
And there's that channel open to communicate if we needed to. And I've had times where I've reached out to a partner of hers to be like, hey, do you know where Dedeker is? Because we were expecting to see her at a certain time because <laughs> no, of time zones. Or maybe yeah. someone's, one of her partners checked in with me once, even across the world, to huh. just be like, hey, like, have you heard from her? Because I haven't in a little while. Interesting. It makes can me sound kinda... like I'm, like, unreachable. Pretty much. Oh, <laughs> my gosh. A lot of the countries you've been in, you haven't had cell phone service, so you are essentially unreachable when you're not at yeah. home. Uh, but, yeah, so it's allowed us to be on the same team, though, mm-hmm. where we can both kind of work together to be like, okay, have you heard where she is? Both check in on you. But for me, it hasn't been as much about having specific, like, you know, Skype date, let's hang out one-on-one. Yeah. But with with partners here locally, I'm much more likely to see them in some sort of social setting and, yeah. you know, maybe try to make that happen or like, you know, encourage that happening. Um, and then we'll hang out. And I've had some really awesome conversations with Metamores here. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, even if it hasn't turned into its own independent friendship, it's still like, oh, cool. I'm excited to go to a thing that they're at again because I really enjoyed talking about, you know, that person's really good at at sort of understanding introvert versus extrovert things at parties mm-hmm. like and that we had a cool conversation about it or this person's really great at at cracking backs or whatever <laughs> it is right um, yeah, that's yeah. just i had personal experience with that it was the best back crack i've ever had in my life i'm always wow. super stoked whenever i get to hang out with this guy because i'm like hey could you uh crack <laughs> my back me. again because that was Please amazing yeah <laughs> that's ridiculous so funny yeah. totally uh so so let's move on to the wow yeah Wow. The, the how the or the how. how of meeting your metamors. Um, there's definitely kind of good ways and not so good ways mm. of going about this meeting. Um, you know, for instance, I, I'm fortunate to say that like most of my metamor meeting experiences have generally been positive, mm-hmm. have been either neutral to positive. I have had a couple of scenarios where it's gone badly, but it was kind of because it was set up in a not so great way, you know. Pretty much every time that it's gone not so great, it's because it's been a surprise to one or both people. Interesting. Um, right. <laughs> yeah. We're like, it Work was not communicated. Didn't ahead- happen? Okay. Yes. Yeah. It was not communicated ahead of time. Like, hey, I'm going to bring my partner to this. Like, hey, like so-and-so is going to show up to this party or hey, so-and-so is going to be here. I hope you're okay with meeting them. Mm. Sometimes it was a surprise. I see. Um, mm-hmm. And and so that is is when it tends to be the worst because that's when you know I mean like I don't know it's something that you're not because you're caught off guard think, or why yes yeah, yeah you know people are caught off guard and honestly I've been more on the side of like the other person's been more surprised than mm-hmm. I have been mm-hmm. um, but it's still not a good interaction you know because like I said like because we don't have a social script for this it's kind of like tossing like, somebody just like hey, really into the deep end and just be like person. hey figure it out yeah um, sure. Interesting. Yeah. 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 So that's been my experiences of it going badly. But if someone knows ahead of time or if I've, you know, or if one-on-one you guys have made a connection, kind of, you know, established that you want to talk, Mm -hmm. I found it tends to go much better than if it's a more impromptu surprise thing. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, I'm all for throwing people in the deep end, but not like pushing them in the deep end when they don't see it coming. Sure. There's a big difference Mm -hmm. between Mm -hmm. those two things, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, I think it's important to be like, hey, you want to jump in the deep end right now and meet all these people? Like, awesome, let's do it. To at least have, like, a little bit of time to think about it or Or to prepare oneself mm -hmm. for the inevitable meeting. it's just even a respect thing of, like, kind of knowing that they were involved in that decision. Like, that they had the Mm -hmm. chance to be like, all right, cool, let's do it. Yeah. And they feel like they're 
on that team as well. Yeah. I'm using that metaphor now on both sides of this equation, but uh, yeah, but they're feeling like you're all on the team of meeting each other rather than kind of being tricked or forced into it. Yeah. 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 Definitely. Um, So the other question that we had about this is, is it better to try to, to, um, be facilitate. The yeah, like, do you want to be the go-between between your other partners and try to get them to meet each other? Or is it better to stay out of it and let them do that if they're going to? I think, I think both I've could be valid. Found, I, I don't know. I mean, I found for me, because it, it I I have realized after soul searching, like it is important to me that my that my partners have mm-hmm. at least some kind of channel communica- channel of communication mm-hmm. with my other partners. Um, that can show up in a variety of ways, whether that is that you like meet and become best friends and hang out all the time, or mm-hmm. if it is just that you're connected on social media. But that is something that is important to me, just mm-hmm. to make sure like there is some kind of connection. And so I think that I've erred on the side of like expressing to my partners, like, hey, it would be cool like if there's some kind of connection. But like... I'm not making any kind of specific request or putting mm-hmm. on any kind of specific pressure. Or it hasn't look, doesn't have to look a specific way. And then just kind of let them take it from there. That tends to be my approach. Interesting. Yeah. And I think that's nice. And that's generally what I've done too. I've also found that recently, um, just perhaps because I've been making a conscious decision to be, you know, unapologetically poly, as we've talked about, but yeah. like really openly talking about my other partners to each other and kind of giving like that sense that we're all sort of included in and teammates here, even before they've met that person that I've had a lot of my more recent partners reach out themselves like mm. pretty early on to just be like, I, you know, especially if they listen to the podcast in my case, they're like, I, mm-hmm. I feel like I've heard these people like I would like <laughs> to actually reach out to Dedeker and That's send her a weird. friend request or that Dedeker has done that. Yeah. Um, so, mm-hmm. so yeah. So that's been been cool too. One thing that we did want to talk about though is this idea of like the three person meeting. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think that for a lot of people, especially when the one who's dating both parties is the one facilitating the meeting, like they're the one that feels like we all need to meet. Yeah. It's this this three person meeting of like, hey, well. I want you to meet my other partner. So we're all going to go out to dinner or we're all going to come over to the house and make dinner. Or it, I feel like they tend to be dinner when I hear the stories about it. <laughs> but, or drinks or, or drinks coffee. or something. Thanks, yeah. yeah. But it's yeah. like, let's get together the three of us so you two can meet. And there's uh-huh. something just, it can be fun and it can be really fun, but there's something inherently, well, sure. But I think that's part of the problem is that that yeah. pressure what you or almost pressure that thing? like subconscious there's expectation. Almost like, like that floating, yeah, there's almost like a, that floating thing in the air. Sure. At least, I, I mean, I feel like like plenty of people have done this kind of meetup where it's like, yeah, the three of us will get together and me and it's gone fine. Right. But I don't know. I personally don't prefer it. Like I prefer mm-hmm. either I want to meet my metamorph like at a group setting or I want to meet them one on one. But hopping straight into the like three person one feels a little weird to me. I'm not sure why that is. I don't know if it's that, if there's that weird kind of expectation or if it's this sense that like I kind of want to be able to focus on this person as they are by themselves rather than this person as they are acting around mm-hmm. like within this particular relationship, if right. that makes sense. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, that totally. does. Yeah. I definitely think that it's, it's, I don't, like we've said before, I don't always feel the need to go, you know, 
way out of my way to facilitate a one-on-one meeting with my metamors, although I have, and, and it's been good most of the time. Um, but I feel like that kind of three-person meeting can be just a little bit, like, there's sort of this thing of, like, what are we really doing here? Like, uh-huh. when does this end? Like, what's the, mm. how does this go? Like, what's really happening here? But that said, at, when I went down to Comic-Con, like, a month ago... Yeah. I went down there with a partner and met one of her other partners. So I met my metamor for the first time and we like hung out the whole weekend and I, and we all like spent the night at his house. Like I slept out on the couch and they slept in his room and it was awesome. And we had a great time. So like, that's not to say that that kind of meeting can't just be like, wow, this is really cool. I like this guy a lot. He seems really great. I'm glad he's dating this person. Uh, mm-hmm. so that's not to say that that can't ever go well, but just, I, I wouldn't go to that as my default. Like, this is how mm-hmm. I normally want to do this. Mm-hmm. Uh, so let's kind of end out with the last question with the what, and that's the broad question. It's things like, what do you even talk about with this person? What <laughs> is your goal? Like, are you specifically trying to become best friends with this person? Do you have to be friends at all? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what is it that you should expect heading into this interaction? I mean, just to to a certain degree, like, trying to figure out what you can do to like the person and to say, Mm -hmm. like, hey, you know, again, I'm going to acknowledge you as a human. It's almost like a first date, but (laughs) it's more like a, I don't know if I'd call it like a job interview per se. It's not exactly that, (laughs) but more just like, yeah, don't try to approach it like that. I wouldn't say that. No, no, of course not. (laughs) But like, you know, what are you interested in? Like, what do you do? Mm -hmm. You know, the usual generic questions, but at least to like, I don't know, there must be like some way to be able to speak to this person and like kind of uh, try to find a common ground, if nothing else. I mean, I think that the big question a lot of people ask about this mm-hmm. is, do I, am I trying to be their friend? And then if that doesn't work out, they might be like, well, fuck, like this, I screwed it up, or this is bad because we didn't instantly click and become friends or whatever it is. But to, to I think your analogy, Emily, of <laughs> it being like dating is really good sure. when you think about, our last episode about the Zen of first dates of going Mm -hmm. into a first date, not with the intention of making someone like you or, or even making yourself like fall fall for them. But there's more like, I really want to find out what this person's about and see what kind of connection there is. Yeah. I'm kind of going in with a little bit more of that Zen approach of, I'm just going to see where this goes, but be open to the possibility that you could be friends or, or Mm -hmm. whatever, both in dates and with, the metamor date, if you want to call it that. Well, and if you both are dating the same person, mm-hmm. the, it's there's probably a lot of likelihood that you're going to like at least have something in common. And yeah. I mean, not necessarily. Yeah, not but necessarily. but if anything else, like you you both have that person in common, and you potentially will both have like some sort of common ground, and to speak about that or to like find camaraderie through that, I think is could be really lovely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Something that they mention in the ethical slot, you know, the long quoted Bible of polyamory, uh-huh. um, well, you know, one of the first big books on polyamory, they said that you should do your best. You know, you don't have to be best friends with this person. You don't need to feel obliged to have any kind of relationship, romantic, sexual, platonic, whatever with this person. But it is better if you do your best to try to, they call it fall in like, hmm. You know, as opposed to falling in love, but like fall in like 
with your metamor. Um, you know, just kind of, again, try to find that common ground. Try to find ways to bring them into this positive thought space mm-hmm. so that instead of just being associated with being like the competition or, you know, being someone who wants to try to take something thing away from me or something that's negative, just bring them into this more neutral or even leaning slightly positive thought space. And I found that it really helps a lot with jealousies, with insecurities, with feeling threatened. It can really be an access point to kind of opening that up into something much more happy and healthy and positive. Absolutely. Definitely. I found that to be true for myself as well. All right. Thank you all so much. Uh, this was a really cool topic. I'm glad that we got to to cover all these things about metamors because it is a hugely important thing. Um, you know, they can have a big impact in your life, and as we talked about, can end up becoming really, really? important people for a long time in oh, your yeah. life. <laughs> so, thank you so much. We appreciate you. Please check out our website, multiamory.com. You can tweet at us at multiamory or write to us on Facebook, multiamory. Uh, and uh, check out our Patreon page, p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash multiamory. Uh, join the community there. We would love to have you be part of that, and we look forward to talking with you more. All right, see you next week. See you next week. Bye-bye. You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k, and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com aware. Terms apply.